0: Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics
1: Podcast.
0: Tonight on Primetime Politics,
2: credible allegations. In the strongest possible terms, I continue to urge the government of India to cooperate with Canada to get to the bottom of this matter. Canadian security officials say they
0: are investigating allegations that potentially links agents of the Indian government to the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil. Why would they carry out this attack? What impact will this have on Canada-India relations and domestic security if this is true? We will speak to a former CSIS director. Also.
3: When will the Prime Minister realize that he's not worth the cost, get out of the way and build homes, not bureaucracy.
2: The opposition leader's bickering won't help get houses built. Our plan does.
0: Parliament is back with promises to address the cost of living crisis. But what can the government really do? We'll speak to members of Parliament about what to expect in the coming weeks. And... The summer was not kind to the liberals, with the party trailing conservatives in several public opinion polls. Can Justin Trudeau do anything to turn his numbers around? This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Sarabio. The Prime Minister stood in the House of Commons today delivering troubling news in relation to the killing of Hardeep Singh Najjar. A prominent Sikh leader in British Columbia, Singh Najjar was shot to death in the parking lot of Asuri Gurdwara back in June. And today the Prime Minister made it known Canadian intelligence is now investigating what are described as credible allegations that possibly link the killing to agents of New Delhi. Take a listen.
2: Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen, Hardeep Singh Nijjar. Last week at the G20, I brought them personally and directly to Prime Minister Modi in no uncertain terms. Any involvement of a foreign government in the killing of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil is an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty.
0: Joining us now is Ward Alcock, who served as CSIS director for 10 years from 1994 to 2004, served a number of defense and intelligence roles as well. Uh, Mr. Alcock, thank you for joining us this evening it's a pleasure uh, can you put this into context for us first and foremost how serious is this action for agents of india to kill a canadian citizen on canadian soil
4: uh, this is a this is very serious and if if indeed true um uh, this, to my knowledge it hasn't happened in canada i guess unless you go back to what uh, it wasn't necessarily a foreign agent but uh, but the assassination of uh, 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 a Canadian politician back in the, the early days of Canada by the Athenians, um, uh, it's pretty serious.
0: Pretty serious,
4: as you say. But you know, I'm
0: wondering as to the why here. Why would India do this? You know, the calls for an independent Khalistan is not new. Why target and kill uh, Hardeep Singh Najar?
4: Uh, there it gets starts to get more complicated, and and that's a question that nobody is talking about at this point in time, and the prime minister hasn't mentioned either. And that question is, to what extent have groups in Canada uh, become too active in in uh, supporting uh, an independent Khalistan uh, Remember, it is the uh, uh, Pakistan, it is uh, sorry, uh, uh, Sikh terrorists who brought down Air India and led a couple of other attacks uh, in Canada. So there is a history in this country of uh, Sikh extremism uh, verging into terrorism. Um, to what extent uh, there was uh, a drive behind the inaction, which doesn't make the inaction excusable, uh, but was it because well, there is a question there whether it was be- this action was taken because we have not we have been insufficiently strict on dealing with extremists in this country uh, who the Indians regard as terrorists? Now there's a that can get complicated because one man's terrorist is not necessarily another man's terrorist, um, and the Indians may have a much broader definition of a terrorist than we we would in this case. So you need some evidence either way. Uh, as to what actually uh, was going on here, but it's not a simple question of uh, the the Indians. Clearly, this is an unacceptable act, but we do need to make sure that um, uh, there isn't a Canadian role here and that we aren't tolerating um, uh, a terrorist group operating from Canada. Now, the Prime
0: Minister says that he has already uh, talked with Indian authorities. We heard from uh, Melanie Jolie, the the Foreign Affairs Minister, earlier today. Uh, Canada has expelled uh, an Indian diplomat from this country. But really, what more can Canada do here? How free are we to respond if efforts to find partners beyond China in our Indo-Pacific strategy include India?
4: Well, that will make that decision very much more difficult. Uh, and it may get even more complicated because the Indians may not be prepared to, uh, uh, to be very helpful in that, uh, in that regard in the next, for the, the next while. Uh, so it, it may be that our uh, Indo-Pacific strategy craters for the moment uh, until some rapprochement is reached between Canada and India, but this, is, this as I said, is a very serious act, and it, it will have serious implications uh, for those policy uh, initiatives.
0: Now, uh, we're quickly running out of time, but I do want to ask you, because over the summer, Mr. Najjar's killing, that sparked protests around the world. Uh, We saw protests in Toronto, Melbourne, London, San Francisco. How quickly could this descend with with the news now being shared by by Ottawa? What does the federal government need to be ready for here?
4: Uh, That's a question that the security service will probably have uh, some information about, uh, whether there are groups that are sufficiently motivated by learning that the Indians may have been behind this uh, to actually launch some sort of attack in in Canada on on Indians. And it wouldn't be the first time that uh, Sikh extremists have done that uh, in Canada. Um, uh, So they will clearly be on guard for that and, and clearly be watching that. It would not be in our interest for there to be an attack on Indian diplomats here in Canada as a consequence of this action. Ward
0: Alcock, thank you for this. I appreciate you coming and joining our program so quickly this evening. Not a problem. Now, after the Prime Minister made the announcement today, opposition leaders took turns to respond.
3: If these allegations are true, they represent an outrageous affront to to Canada's sovereignty. Our citizens must be safe from extrajudicial killings of all kinds most of all from foreign governments. I grew up hearing many stories that if you raise
1: concerns about human rights violations in India, that you might be denied a visa. That if you went back to India, you could suffer violence, torture, and even death. I grew up hearing those stories. But to hear the Prime Minister of Canada corroborate a potential link between a murder of a Canadian citizen on Canadian soil by a foreign government is something I could never have imagined.
0: A closing note here. Citing an unnamed source, the Globe and Mail does report the Indian government is denying all responsibility for the Najjar shooting. They argue Ottawa's investigation has been misled by accusations from Canadian Sikhs. Now, CPAC has reached out to the Indian High Commission for official reaction. We will share it once we have it. Well, let's turn now to the other principal story of this day, the return of Parliament with a clear focus after the summer break, affordability.
3: Data from August showed that home building was down again. His inflationary deficits drive up interest rates, which make it harder for builders to finance their construction and harder for Canadians to afford a mortgage. So what will he finally do what he promised to do eight years ago, and that is balance the budget to bring down interest rates and inflation.
4: The right honorable
2: prime minister on
3: delivering real results, while the leader opposite
2: is focused on empty slogans and picking fights. In fact, when he was in charge of housing, he bungled projects like the Toronto Line 1 extension, which to this day has no housing near a number of its stations. In contrast, we are actually linking public transit dollars to apartments and housing density, and we're doing so without the Conservative plan to restrict access to abortion, to deny the impact of climate change, and put more assault weapons in our streets.
0: Well, with more, we're now joined by Steve McKinnon, the Chief Government Whip, also Liberal MP for Gatineau in quebec and Peter Julian, NDP House Leader, also MP for New Westminster Burnaby in British Columbia. Hello to the two of you. Hello, Michael. Good to be with you. Listen, Mr. McKinnon, I'm going to get you to start us off here because your House Leader says the priorities for this session are uh, affordability and public safety. Uh, Pierre Poliev, as a result, accuses your government of plagiarizing his message. Is that what you're doing in hopes of closing the gap with Conservatives in the polls?
5: Well, what we're doing is presenting real concrete proposals, solutions, uh, that will affect, positively affect Canadians in their daily life uh, almost right away. Uh, we're going to move quickly on getting rental accommodations built, we're going to move quickly on grocery prices uh, in, in conjunction with uh, the CEOs of the major grocery retailers. We're moving ahead on uh, a number of initiatives, in fact we will table a bill very, very imminently on affordability generally where uh, I think people will see who has the suggestions and who doesn't? Uh, I'd invite uh, those who are watching to listen carefully to Pierre Polyav. I think that's another thing that we'll be doing in this session. What's he really saying? What he's saying is he's going to withdraw the federal government uh, from areas of support, from dental care, from uh, from uh, a number of programs. He's going to uh, withdraw uh, the federal government from the housing uh, market and the kind of corrective measures we can bring to uh, bring balance back to uh, housing supply in Canada. So. Uh, we'll be highlighting those, but for now, we're concentrating on the very positive solutions that we're putting in front of Canadians.
0: You, know, you, you mentioned uh, Mr. Potiav, and unfortunately, Mr. Shear Andrew Scheer, the uh, Conservative House leader, uh, cancelled his appearance with us. But, you know, uh, Mr. Julian, I'm, I'll bring you into it, because when you talk about, or at least when Mr. McKinnon talks about, uh, presenting ideas, here you have the Liberal government calling uh, grocery CEOs to Ottawa, something uh, your party did earlier this year. Uh, they're also talking about bringing in uh, pharma, care, a piece of legislation that your party also has uh, deep issues or deep ties with. Uh, what what does that leave for you in terms of priorities? And are you concerned that your party won't get any of the credit for those policy fronts? Uh,
6: well, the, the NDP has always been the worker bees of Parliament. So, what we've done with dental care is forced the Liberals to actually take action. And what, What's important is that Canadians get dental care. That helps with affordability issues and helps with their health care issues. Today, Jugmeet Singh tabled in the House of Commons, a, a bill that would enhance the Competition Bureau so it can actually take action against price gouging. And we've seen price gouging, not only from, from grocery chain CEOs, also the oil and gas industry, uh, the gas price uh, prices that Canadians pay, uh, often subject to gouging. We've seen this with, with bank fees. We've seen this as well with merchant fees that small businesses have to pay. And each time the government's response has been to ask politely for these corporate CEOs uh, to stop gouging Canadian consumers, that's not going to work. It's concrete action that will make a difference for Canadians. And that's why the bill that Jagmeet Singh tabled today, hopefully the government can take it. They can incorporate it into the fall economic statement and in that way enhance the powers of the Competition Bureau so that it can take action against price gouging that we're seeing writ large across the Canadian economy, but particularly when it comes to grocery CEOs.
0: Okay, so Mr. McKinnon, would your government run with any part of that private member's bill? Again, for Mr. Singh, but it sounds similar to what the Prime Minister promised last week at the uh, the end of your party's caucus meeting in London, Ontario. Uh, Is this something that you can support?
5: Well, I think we've signaled pretty strongly that uh, amendments to the competition regime in Canada are things we're prepared to consider, and of course we're prepared to uh, consider good ideas from every corner of the House of Commons, and we obviously ask that opposition parties consider our ideas, and we'll be bringing an awful lot of them. Uh, I think Canadians uh, should be prepared for uh, a number of measures designed to help them uh, pay the bills, designed to help uh, keep that inflation number coming down, designed to get more housing units uh, into the market and designed overall uh, to uh, make Canadians more confident about their economic future. We know we're going through a period of instability. The government's always been there to support Canadians when those needs arose and we're going to continue to do that and uh, I know that uh, the whole team is prepared to uh, consider all ideas from all corners uh, as we go about that.
0: Okay, you say the government's always been there, but as you know, Mr. McKinnon, your government is being criticized for essentially putting affordability as the top-line measure right now. A lot of people say it's a cynical uh, reaction to poll numbers. What do you say to that?
5: Well, it wasn't a cynical reaction when we moved forward with dental care. It wasn't a cynical reaction when we moved forward uh, with the CERB uh, during the pandemic, with a housing benefit, with a grocery rebate. Uh, I think what what we've shown uh, right from the beginning of this government, when we brought brought in the Canada Child Benefit, thousands of dollars a year, non-taxable in the hands of the parents of Canada, uh, that we're there uh, for all stages uh, uh, of of people's life to give them the kinds of supports they need uh, as we go through these turbulent economic times and as the world goes through uh, turbulent economic times. But, you know, we're not content to sit on those laurels. We're going to keep bringing forward ideas. We're going to keep making sure that Canadians have the support from their federal government that's required. We're going to be working with uh, provinces, for example, on this GST uh, um, elimination from rental housing so that we can multiply uh, the effect of that so that many, many more rental accommodations get built in small and large municipalities right across this country and and are done so quickly. So, uh, what you're going to see is kind of an attack on all fronts, uh, Michael, in terms of affordability. We don't apologize for that, we're open to other ideas on that and we're, uh, we're not going to uh, stop what we what we again ask though is listen to the uh, proposals and the uh, the policies coming from the other side of the house because what I think Canadians will see is it's pretty empty and what it really means is a lot a loss or a lack of government supports the kind of which I just discussed
0: okay Mr. Julian I'm wondering what you will be watching out for then as you hear Mr. McKinnon talk about this as you hear the criticism from uh, the Conservative leader Pierre poliev at the end of the day it is your part deal with the Liberals that that essentially sustains this government's mandate. What are you looking for over the next few months from the Trudeau government, the Trudeau Liberals, that would say to you that they're actually working on behalf of of Canadians to make life more affordable?
6: Well, it's interesting, Mr. McKinnon just gave a number of examples. They all come from the NDP. It's all the NDP that pushed for the grocery rebate, for, the, for dental care, uh, for the doubling the GST credit. These are all things that the NDP fought for. Uh, so it shows that uh, under NDP leadership, Canadians are better off. There are a number of other things that the NDP is still fighting for. And I, come, I mentioned the Competition Bureau, those enhanced powers. Those, those are things that will make a real difference for people. We, we know over the past uh, 15 years, <coughs> Both under Conservatives and Liberals, we lost a million affordable housing units and, and the NDP is going to continue to push that we're actually building uh, the cooperative housing, the social housing that will make a big difference in Canada. These are all things that make a difference for people. <coughs>
0: Well, I'll let you catch your breath there, Mr. Julian. But, you know, I, I do want to end this with, with a question about the tone of Parliament here, because we did hear from uh, your government House leader, uh, Mr. McKinnon, uh, essentially saying that she hopes that this next sitting, this next session would be uh, a bit more uh, workable, that people would actually uh, roll up their sleeves rather than fight, rather than perform for the cameras, actually work together. Do you expect that to be the case, given how tight the polls are right now?
5: Look, we know we're in serious times. We, we're, what we're asking for are serious solutions. Uh, not acrimony, not yelling, not uh, uh, applauding and acting like clowns uh, on the other side of the House. But we want serious solutions. I think what the House leader is saying is that she's open to hearing ideas from all corners of the House of Commons. But they, ideas they must be. They can't just be slogans. They can't just be anger and uh, inciting uh, kind of statements. Uh, we want to bring a tone of... Uh, a very work person-like tone to the House of Commons and uh, we're going to be very, very focused on that. And I think what Canadians will see is we're approaching that work with, a, with great seriousness and you'll see that over the coming months.
0: Okay, uh, Mr. Julian, up to you if you want to answer that or whether or not you've been able to catch your breath yet.
6: <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I, uh, <clears throat> I think it's fair to say that the, the NDP believes in a, in a civil tone. We believe in being the adults in the room. We're going to continue to push uh, to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, Jagmeet Singh has proven, I think, that time and time again that he's focused on on regular people. It's made a difference in this parliament. It's forced the liberals to actually do things that benefit people. And we'll continue to do that. That's uh, the NDP way, uh, where the worker bees in parliament and we act as the adults in the room And that's how we managed to get things done for Canadians. Okay,
0: well, you pushed through, Peter Julian, uh, despite the cough. So thank you for that. And Steve McKinnon, thank you as well for your time this evening.
6: Thank you, Michael. Thank you.
0: Joining us now is polls analyst Eric Grenier, the man behind the writ. Uh, Eric, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Good to see you. Listen, I think it's worthwhile to, to begin here with an overview because we, we know that the Liberals, as soon as the new year began, they were dropping support in the polls. But over the summer, there seems to have been this uh, precipitous drop. What happened? When you look at the data, what has led the Liberals to this point?
1: Yeah, we did see that over the course of the year, things have been just getting worse and worse for the Liberals. Once we did go into the summer season, though, it wasn't as disastrous as it looks right now for the party. They were trailing in the polls by maybe four or five points. It was still a competitive race in Ontario. Lately, the numbers that we've seen, more polls are now showing double-digit leads for the Conservatives. There was one by Abacus that was published last week at a 15-point lead for the Conservatives. We're seeing uh, really very low support for the Liberals in Ontario, British Columbia, Atlantic Canada. Even Quebec is starting to look like less of a, a strong hold for the Liberals. So they are in a lot of trouble. What is pushing it? What is causing it? Is I think it is just a question of how long the Liberals have been in office, which is now we're approaching the eight-year anniversary of the uh, 2015 election. And cost of living concerns, uh, inflation, it is starting to add up. Still, it, it, all the baggage from the last little while is now starting to weigh down, I think, those liberal numbers.
0: Okay. So, so issues, uh, fatigue with Trudeau, but how much of this is a desire for Pierre Polyev and the alternative that he presents?
1: I think that we've seen over the summer that it is becoming a bit more about Pierre Polyev. I think before this, it was a more of a, you need to have an alternative. The conservatives were there. But we have seen that with the ads that he placed over the summer, the convention, which went pretty well for the party, that his own personal numbers have been improving. Before it looked like the Conservative Party might have been more popular than Pierre Poilievre. I don't think you could say that right now. So there is certainly part of it is what the Conservatives have been bringing to the table and presenting themselves as a palatable alternative to the Liberals, which I think before this summer more Canadians had questions about whether a Pierre Polyev government was really the kind of change that they wanted.
0: Yeah, and to that, uh, you know, in the writ today you were writing about a new Polara poll, and it was talking about uh, the name recognition, if you will, of Pierre Polyev. Talk to us about that the, the number that we, we are seeing out of Polara and what does that say about the current situation?
1: Yeah, this was a poll that was done just before the convention by Polaris, So it, it wouldn't have captured any of that extra attention that he got. But 57 percent of respondents were able to, unprompted, put in the name or a name that was similar to Pierre Poilievre when they were asked, who is the leader of the Conservative Party? We often see with other polls, you'll just ask, do you have an opinion about Pierre poliev?" But this one was specifically asking, can you name the leader of the Conservative Party? 57 percent could which isn't a very high number, but it's also a bit higher than maybe a lot of people might have thought. So he has been able to get some good name recognition now that he's been in the job for a year. And I think after the last couple of weeks, that name recognition is probably a lot higher.
0: Okay, a lot higher. So how does that bode for Pierre Polyev as he begins another session here?
1: Well, he is right now, I think, getting more of a spotlight than he would have ever had before, because over the last few weeks, The narrative is now, this is the government in waiting, this is the government. We're just more or less waiting for an election that will put Pierre Poliev in the Prime Minister's office. So I think a lot more attention will be on what that could look like. Before it was Pierre Poliev, the opposition leader. Now it's Pierre Poliev, potential Prime Minister. And I think that is going to change Canadians' perceptions and how they're going to really assess him over the next few weeks and months.
0: Yeah, and whether or not they can actually maintain that lead that we've seen over the summer. But you know, it was interesting looking at the Polara poll because a, uh, another part of the poll that you, you noted as well had to do with the question being asked about cabinet ministers, whether or not Canadians could name uh, upwards of three cabinet ministers right now in the Trudeau government. Uh, talk to us about what we saw. Because really, this goes for anyone that questions whether or not Justin Trudeau is still the man to lead the Liberals. This particular question is quite interesting to that point.
1: Yeah. So 57% could name Pierre Polyev as a Conservative Party leader. Only 40% could name a cabinet minister, any cabinet minister. So the poll, again, didn't give people uh, any help. It just said, put in the name of a cabinet minister, as many as you can. 40% could name one minister, 26% could name more than one. There was only 14% of Canadians who were able to name at least three cabinet ministers. There was only one name that came up very often, Chrystia Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister and the Finance Minister. 30% of Canadians could name her. After that, Melanie Jolie was second with 15%. And then we're getting into single digits. So it does show that there is not a lot of name recognition for that cabinet. You know, If you think about in the past, John Turner, Paul Martin, these would have been household names Mm -hmm. when they became prime minister. Right now, there's not that kind of figure within the Liberal government, which might make it a little bit easier for Justin Trudeau to, to hang on, because there isn't a clear alternative waiting in the wings.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting, because the Liberals just had their caucus last week. We know that a number of MPs behind closed doors uh, were expressing their frustration, but there, there was no uh, overt measure to push him out, out of the leadership role. But given how poorly this government is doing right now in the polls, what does uh, Justin Trudeau and his government have to accomplish in the next few weeks to, to, to turn those numbers around if at all possible
1: i think we're starting to see that over the last week or so there has been new movement on uh, housing we saw some announcements from uh karina gold today and sean frazier about new directions are going to take over the next few uh, months so i do think that the liberals see that they need to show that they're doing something that over the last few months there's been not a lot of focus with the government Uh, They haven't seemed to be speaking to the issues that Canadians care about most. And that is, I think, being reflected in the polls and the fact that it's going down. For Justin Trudeau personally, these kinds of numbers, even if it is an election two years from now, Mm -hmm. a lot of Liberal MPs, upwards of half of them, would have to be concerned about their job prospects in a future election. And that focuses the mind for a lot of politicians. So if those numbers don't improve, it's going to become harder and harder for Justin Trudeau to hold on. A bad summer of polling might have just focused the minds for the, the party and the government going forward, but the longer this goes on, the harder it's going to be. Yeah,
0: well, especially since Trudeau wants to have a, essentially a fourth mandate, which historically is a near impossibility in this country. Uh, let's talk about uh, Pierre Poilievre though and the Conservatives, because as we said, right now in the lead, an election could be two, two years away already. The question is being asked whether or not perhaps they're peaking too early. What does he need to do, what does his party have to do to ensure they maintain what they have right now?
1: I think it is the fact that they are now that government in waiting, or at least going to be perceived that way, that they have to come off as a reasonable alternative. Because once, as you mentioned, you're going for a fourth term, you don't get a fourth term because Canadians love you. They, you get a fourth term because they really don't like the other option. So if the Conservatives can minimize the opportunity for the Liberals to paint them as extreme, as a change that is too much of a risk then they will succeed. But to be able to hold on a lead of 10, 15 points for two years, that is not going to be easy to do. And I suspect that we'll eventually get uh, another time between now and the next election where things are going to be a bit tighter. But for the Conservatives, this is really now, you know, the the first last year was Pierre Poiliev being introduced, but now it's about Canadians are really going to take a deep, close look at him because if he's the next Prime Minister, he has to show them that that is something that they can live with. Eric Grenier, it was good to speak with you. Thank you for that. Thank you.
0: Well, two more stories we wanted to share with you today. Executives of the biggest grocery store chains in Canada, Loblaw, Metro, Empire, Walmart and Costco were all in Ottawa today. They met with the Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland and Industry Minister François-Philippe Champagne to discuss plans to stabilize food prices. Minister Champagne said the grocers have agreed to work with the government, but did not elaborate on what comes next.
3: This is a step in the right direction. We'll keep on pushing them. Trust me, this is just the beginning. By no, no means this is the end.
0: And five new members of Parliament were sworn in today. Liberal MP Ben Carr will represent Winnipeg South Centre. He replaces his late father, be Cabinet Minister Jim Carr after winning in June by-elections. Liberal Anna Gainey will represent Notre-Dame-de-Grâce Westmount, the seat left vacant, by former Liberal Cabinet Minister Mark Garneau. Conservative Arpan Khanna is the new MP for the riding of Oxford, Ontario. Khanna is expected to play an important role in party outreach. Conservative MP Brandon Leslie takes over from Conservative Candace Bergen in the Manitoba riding of Portage-Lisgar. And Conservative MP Chauvelin Majumder is the other new addition to Parliament, now officially the member for Calgary Heritage. Well, that is our program for this Monday evening. I'm Michael Serapio. Do stay with us. Coming up next is Estée Bejean avec l'Essentiel. But for everybody here at CPAC, thanks for watching. We'll see you again tomorrow.